Thank you so much for joining us for this journey through the book of Romans by Pastor Sumiko Stroud of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located in Bremen, Georgia. To find out more information about our ministry, just log on to www.kingdomrock.org. And now here is Pastor Sumiko Stroud with part five, Journey Through the Book of Romans. All right, well, we're continuing our journey through Romans. Uh, we are in section three, I think it's section three on that handout, um, or section C. Uh, salvation. So we're going to be talking about salvation, and, and I'll go ahead and let you know that it will be divided into uh, at least two parts. Hopefully no more than two, but at least two. So we're picking up in chapter 3, verse 21, and our goal today is to make it through the rest of chapter 3 and through all of chapter 4. So we'll see how that goes, okay? All right, so we're going to be talking about salvation and what we've already discovered, hopefully you've discovered that along with me. If not, you'll have to go back a few weeks and do some review. But we've discovered so far that we all need to be saved. Uh, now, salvation is only important if there is a danger. You remember my example? If I go up to Deaconess and say, Deaconess, aren't you glad I saved you? And she's looking around like, okay, there's nothing going on, but Okay. So salvation is only important in the context of there being some type of danger, something to be saved from. So what are we needing to be saved from? From the wrath of God. Now, God's wrath is not like our anger or wrath where we just want vengeance. You know, I'm going to get you back. Uh, No, God's wrath is a a righteous judgment. We have done wrong. We have done something wrong in his sight. And he is like a judge in a courtroom issuing out only the judgment that is due us. But we are not able to withstand the judgment that is due us. It's not like if you were to go and the judge says, okay, you've got 30 days uh, in the county lockup, $1,000 fine. Or if he says you got, you know, 200 hours of community service, you know, whatever, or even 10 years in jail. God's not issuing out those kinds of Uh, sentences, or we could perhaps handle that. Now, I I personally am rather delicate. I don't think I could. (laughs) But, but, you know, it could be done. It is possible. So if that were all that it was, then, you know, we could live with that. But it's not. The righteous judgment that is being issued out, the sentence being issued, issued out, is for God to step away from us, to take his presence from us, his spirit from us. And we see um, when we look in our world, when we look in society, that is what has happened, is he turned us over to our own devices. If this is the life you want to live, then deal with the consequences of it. And that is just in this life, uh, but the sentence goes beyond that, and that it would also be for an eternity without his presence. But there is a way of escape. Isn't that wonderful to know that there's a way of escape? So that is why, you know, what we're being saved from. Now, why do we need to be saved? Some of us may say, well, I don't, you know, I don't need to be saved. I don't do all that, go around killing people or whatnot. Well, we talked about two different groups of people. First of all, the unrighteous. Uh, Those who don't um, acknowledge God as God. 
they look around at all that is around us. They look at creation. They look at, you know, who we are. They look at the world and they see it all. And they don't come to the conclusion that there is a supreme being creator of it all. They come to a different conclusion. So they don't revere or they're not in awe of God. They don't acknowledge him as God. Or, um, you know, they have taken what is God, the image of God, and transferred it into something more tangible, something more um, not as, judge, uh, I guess, judgmental, so to speak, but something that is more comfortable to our darkened hearts as mankind. Uh, that we will say, well, you know, I'm, I'm God. I can worship the God that's in me. I can worship the God that's in you. I can worship the God that's in nature. Um, I don't recognize <clears throat> the Bible, the biblical God as God, because if I do, then that makes me uncomfortable in my sin, doesn't it? If when we acknowledge that God is who he says he is, then that puts a damper on some of the things that we like to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. So instead, uh, I can put God-like status on something that I can make, something more tangible that I can touch with my hands, something that doesn't have as high a standard. And those are being considered the unrighteous. Now, for those who say, well, that's not me, you know, I, I recognize God, and the, uh, and the unrighteous are also unthankful, not appreciative of the things that God has done uh, in this life that God has for us. Uh, excuse me. And we may say, well, that's not me. I recognize who God is and, and I honor him and I'm grateful. Well, then chances are we're probably falling in this second category of the self-righteous. We honor God and we want his mercy for us because I can't do, you know, what I need to do. So be merciful on me, a sinner. Right? I want you to overlook my transgressions and my trespasses um, and, you know, hide me from the wrath. But then we want to sit in God's judgment seat as it comes to everybody else. Grace for me, justice for them. Right? And that's what we want to do. That's how people like to be. Well, God doesn't play that game with us. If you want to sit in the seat of judgment, then you be prepared to receive judgment. So when you put it like that, it kind of makes you want to think, well, maybe we don't, I don't even want to look at them. I don't even want to know what they're doing. <laughs> I'm just going, like, you want to be like that horse with the blinders on. I just need to see right in front of me. Because when I look over there at them, I'm going to want to say something. And if I issue out judgment, then I got to be prepared to take judgment, right? And the difference being is you may issue out judgment saying that they don't live up to your standard, but when God issues out judgment, he's going to be, well, you don't live up to my standard. I don't want that, right? So we don't want to be, we need to be saved from this self-righteousness where we cry, mercy on me, justice for them, right? Okay, because mercy is not getting what we deserve and justice is getting what we deserve. Okay, so neither one of these are going to work. Unrighteous, no good. Self-righteous, no good. We need to be righteous through Christ. We can't be made righteous because we're a sinful man, a sinful nature. We are prone to do it. Um, it's, it's in us to try to do what's wrong, to not acknowledge God. But God can declare us righteous. 
And there is a difference in being made righteous and being declared righteous. So he can declare us righteous uh, through the finished work of the cross. And that's what we call justification. And that's what salvation is, is being justified. Um, and as you've heard Pastor Stroud and some others say, justified being just as if I had not sinned. He cleanses us, right? He takes the sin from us as if we had not done it. Now, that's not something we can do on our own. That is only, again, through the finished work of the cross that we can be justified. Uh, justification is an act of God whereby he declares the believing sinner uh, righteous in Christ. So justification is going to require that we are justified. It takes place by faith. There's going to have to be some believing on our part. Not action, but some belief. And we will, we will get to the difference in those. Um, uh, the believing sinner, righteous in Christ on the basis of the finished work of Christ on the cross. It's a legal matter. You have to have authority to make a declaration. Like I could stand up here and say, today after church, we all going to Sister Norma, she's provide lunch. The whole church going to Sister Norma, she's got lunch and entertainment for us. And I can make that declaration, and I can say it over the microphone, and I can say it, you know, behind the pulpit during announcement time. Now, does that make it so? We could all show up at Sister Norma, she may not even be at home. <laughs> Having heard the announcement, she skipped town. Right, because I have no authority to make such a declaration over Sister Norma's house, right? I don't have the authority over her household. I could say that about my own house, because it would then it would be on me to do. But if Sister Norma gets up and says, I'm providing lunch and entertainment for everybody after church, come on over to my place, well, she has the authority to do that. So then we can put some stock in that, right? And you can decide, well, I'm going to go hang out, see what's going on. So it takes um, declaration or declaring implies a certain authority. The only person, you know, so to speak, that has the authority to declare us righteous is God. Why is that? Because being righteous is being right with him. He's the only one that can tell you whether you're right with him, right? I can't decide, well, I think I'm doing pretty good. I, God, you ought to be able to accept this. It ain't getting no better. I'm the best that mankind has to offer, so you need to pattern everybody after me. Crazy, wouldn't that be? But he can declare us righteous. He can say that this is the way that this can go, and through the work of the cross, you are being declared right with me. I will accept you if you come to me that way. Well, that is the only way that we can come to God. Okay. So it has to do with a level of authority. Now, justification is an act. It's a, it's a done deal. When God declares you righteous, you're righteous. That's it. Not to be confused with sanctification, which is a process. Justification is immediate. If you live 75 years as the most horrible sinner on the planet, and three seconds before you die, you repent and give your life to Christ and believe that you are justified by faith through the work of the cross. It is instant. You are just as saved as somebody that gave their life to the Lord when they were three years old and lived a holy, righteous life for the, for the entire time. There is no difference in that. That justification is an act. It is what God says. Okay? Sanctification is a process. 
It's the process by which we every day become more and more like Christ. That takes us some time. All right. So there's a difference. Sanctification is a process. Justification is instant. Okay. So we don't want to get those two confused. All right. Now. Romans 3.21. But now the righteousness of God uh, without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Now, when we talk about the law, we talk about uh, Old Testament. We talk about the law of Moses. We talk about the prophets. The law could not make us right with God because the law was like a mirror. Now, we've all got mirrors. Everybody probably looked in one this morning. And when you look in a mirror, it can show you what? That your face is dirty, you got a little something in the corner of your eye, you got a little something around your mouth, you got toothpaste on your chin. It can show you what's wrong. But does the mirror fix the wrong? If you wipe your face up on the mirror, does it fix the wrong? You got, you know, little wrinkles here, something there, crazy, got, you know, some blemishes here or there. It will show you what is wrong with you, but it doesn't do anything to fix it. The law is a mirror. It showed us when we read the law, we can see I'm righteous, unrighteous, and undone, right? I can see I'm prone to uh, misbehaving. I want what my neighbor has. I don't want him to succeed. You know, I don't, I want him to whatever, you know, kind of thing. You see all the ugly that's in you when we look at the law. If it weren't for the law, sometimes we wouldn't know um, that we were trespassing. Just like with our natural laws. If we didn't know, if the traffic rules were not written down, that you're only supposed to drive on the right side of the road, well, some people would just drive down the middle, which some still do. (laughs) Right, we have to have it written down that that was it. Green means go, and red means no, and yellow means slow, slow, slow. <laughs> that little song that they sing. Otherwise, it could just be random colors. What if they put up a traffic light and it had pink and orange and purple? Well, then what? But the law shows us the boundaries because we need boundaries, and it shows us where we are misbehaving where the blemishes are but it doesn't get rid of them now the law did provide uh, rituals that could be used to cover those sins kind of like makeup if any of you've ever had any experience with makeup if you have a blemish you can put some foundation on some you know concealment and it will hide the blemish and other people who weren't at home with you that morning will not know that you had a blemish right but is it gone it's not gone Just as sure as your face gets wet and the makeup comes off, there it is. And and so the law provided us, it was like a mirror, showed us what was wrong. It gave us some ways that we could cover, right? There were different offerings that that could be taken, could be done, uh, different animal sacrifices that would cover those blemishes. But after a while... When the blood ran away, you know, it was washed away, it was still there. And the thing about those rituals is the people performing them and the priests performing them on their behalf, they knew in their heart it was still there. Just like it doesn't matter how much makeup you put on, you remember, I may not know what you really look like because you always come out made up, but you know what you look like for real when that makeup is not there, right? 
you know, you can, we can all put on a good front to other people, but you know what's in your heart. You know what's there, right? And you know it's there. God knows it's there. So it was only a cover-up. The law focused on, how I, on us behaving, how we behaved. Don't do this, do this, do this right. Don't do this, do this this way. Grace uh, has a cleansing power. It doesn't cover up the blemish. It gets rid of it like it was never there. When we are justified, uh, the blemish is taken away. It's not just covered, it's removed. So it's like it was never there. It's about us believing. It's not our behavior. It's about believing because justification is by faith. We have to believe that the finished work of Christ on the cross was capable of cleansing us of our sins, right? First, we have to believe that it could do it. Then we have to believe that it did do it. Right? And when we receive that, then we become justified. We become cleansed. Uh, it's like it's not even there. We can stand righteous through Christ uh, in God's eyes, okay? Through Christ, though, not in ourselves, through that work on the cross. Okay, everybody still with me? Okay. Now, because when Jesus came as the sacrifice, um, he was the perfect lamb that could be offered, sacrificed for the sins of the world, and it wouldn't have to be redone. Didn't have to be every year or every so often done again. It was just a once for all time. He reached back and was able to take care of the sins from Adam on up until people not even born yet. That powerful. Not just enough for me right here, right now, but for through all eternity. Okay. All right. So we're made right with God uh, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. So it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. This is true for everyone. Now, faith, believing, requires an object. You have to believe in something. You can't just say, I have faith, I got faith, I got faith. It's not like, you know, like you can say, I got a book, I got this book. You know, you got faith, you got to have faith in something. You have to believe in something. We all have faith in something. We all have faith in someone. Some people just have faith in themselves. I don't trust anybody but me. That's why I do it all on my own, because I know what I can do. Terrible life to have. Some people just believe in, you know, things that they can control. I have faith in this money because I know if I got $20, I can get $20 worth of stuff. You know, I just got, this is what, I go to work, and I know that when I work, I'm supposed to get you know, paid $500 this week. So we have faith in that job, don't we? We have faith in that employer that on Friday that we're going to get our check for $500. Now, there are some people who worked all week, and when they went to go pick up their check on Friday, there was no check. Or there was a check, and when you got to the bank, the bank was like, I don't know what you're giving me that for. (laughs) So their faith was misplaced. Right. But they had. So our faith is only as strong as what we have it in, only as strong as the object. Our faith should be in God. Our faith should be in Jesus Christ because he's unfailing. It's not going to be that at the end of time we stand before God uh, and it's time for judgment. And we say, well, I believed in Jesus. And he's like, oh, well, sorry, but that was uh There was nothing to that. I'm sorry you didn't get the memo. It's not going to be like that. 
But if we stand up and say, well, I had faith in my pastor, I had faith in this, or I had faith in that, and he's like, well, that wasn't strong enough to get you where you needed to be because only the work of the cross could, have, could make us justified by faith. Not the fact that I had faith and came to my local church, but that we have to do the first work and be justified, have faith uh, in Christ. We have to put our faith in him. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, we're talking about being justified freely uh, means that there is um, for no good reason, that without cause, nothing special that you did this morning, uh, nothing special that you're going to do. Uh, we are all in the same boat. We are all entitled uh, to the same thing. Redemption uh, you know, if you ever had a coupon or you've ever had to redeem something, uh, redemption, re- redemption is like a ransom payment. There was something owed uh, and it was paid. And Jesus redeemed, uh, redeemed us and then he paid the penalty for our sins. So now we don't have to, right? If you have a coupon for a dollar off a box of cereal, I currently do have one such wonderful thing. If I take that to the store, if my cereal is $2 and I redeem my coupon for a dollar, then I only have to pay the difference, right? The $1. Now, I would be crazy to get a $2 box of cereal, hand in my coupon for a dollar, and still pay $2. What kind of sense would that make, right? Christ has redeemed us, not for a, a portion of the cost of our sin debt, He redeemed my whole box of cereal. So that would be like, woo, you know, that rare coupon where you can get the thing free. I've had a couple of those. $2 off of whatever purchase and the box of cereal was only $2. And I'm like, woohoo! I hand them my coupon, they hand me my stuff, and I have to give nothing else. That's the kind of redemption that we got from the cross. He didn't do part of the sin debt. He did it all. So it doesn't make sense for us to run around and try to do, you know, try to be, as we're trying to, to behave, I got, I got to do this, I got to do this so I can be right with God. I got to do this so I can be right with God. Jesus is like, I already redeemed you. I paid the full price. You don't need to try to go around and pick up the balance. There is no balance. Because he knew that it wasn't going to be just as simple as, okay, God, you've done part of it. Let me do the rest. He knew we couldn't do the rest. Because we didn't have it in us. Because the judgment that was issued was not something we could pay. We couldn't even pay part of it. So he redeemed us from the curse of the law from sin and death. He redeemed us full amount. So it's like that that rare opportunity. Have y'all ever had one of those coupons that covered the whole price? You don't see them often. But don't you rejoice when you get one? Because you got something completely free. All you had to do was acknowledge the coupon and hand it over. And that'll be like us when we get uh, in heaven before God. I got my Jesus coupon and I just hand it over and he'll just step and you just come on in. I don't have to you know, do anything else. I hand in my Jesus coupon. So we don't want to leave our Jesus coupon down here having been right here. And all we had to do was clip it out the paper and we didn't clip it. And we get to heaven, and all I got is, well, I got $50, Lord, can you take that? He's like, no, you either have to pay it all. You, you got to pay it all. 
Well, I remember they talked about this coupon that was back there that, that covered it all. He said, but yeah, but you didn't get that coupon. You could have, but you didn't get it. And so now you have to pay the price. You have to pay what was owed. We have to pay the penalty. We have to suffer the wrath of God and eternity uh, outside of his presence if we just don't accept the coupon. And when you put it like that, I'm thinking, why would you not, you know, get that coupon? But some people are not even at the point where they even recognize that they need to be saved. So that is where our prayer should be, not looking at people and saying, I can't believe you, you know, why would you not? Why would you not? Well, first of all, you have to recognize that we need to be saved. And that should be our prayer for mankind, that we would all see that we are sinners in need of a Savior and that that Savior uh, is available to us all and is not based on how much we can do, how well we can behave, but it's based on what we can believe, right? And believing to me is one of the hardest things to do because when you believe something, you make yourself vulnerable, don't you? You leave yourself open to criticism, If I go out and say I'm a Christian, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, I leave myself open for the ridicule of people who don't believe. I put myself out there, right? If I believe that this chair is able to hold me up and I sit in it, what if it falls? Then I leave myself open to you all laughing at me for those few seconds before you realize, oh, we should help her up and see if she's okay. Right, And then I'm I'm out there because who knows what you're going to go tell somebody. So believing, it sounds easy. All you got to do is believe. But it is really not. It's a difficult thing. And because believing spurs some kind of action, if you believe there is a corresponding action that goes with it. If I tell you that if, if Sister Norma says that she's going to prepare dinner for me today, I'm not throwing any hints, Sister Norma. You're just sitting on the front row. <laughs> if she says that she's going to prepare food for all of us, if we believe her, then we won't go get us something else to eat, right? We'll show up at her house hungry. But if we don't believe, well, I don't know. She said she was going to cook. But she may not cook, and I don't want to be hungry. I'm just going to get me some crackers. I'm going to eat me you know, a little something, knock the edge off, in case when we get there she hadn't cooked enough food. You, you know, you, in case it ain't enough sort of thing. But if we truly believe, then we put ourselves out there, don't we? We make ourselves vulnerable. There's some corresponding action. So when we believe that we need to be saved, There's an action. There's something that follows. Our next thing is, I believe I need to be saved. So then my next question is, how? How am I saved? What what do I need to do? What what is necessary? When when we read in the New Testament where when after the disciples would preach and, you know, men and brethren, what shall we do? And then people are like, well, what, what, what must I do? What do I do? Then we believe that justification comes by faith alone. It's not by what we do. It's about what we believe. And then we have to make sure that we are believing uh, in Christ and believing on the finished work of the cross that it could do and that it did do. And sometimes there's a breakdown in that. 
Sometimes it's easy to believe that God can do something. Not so easy to believe that he will do something. That takes a whole other level, right? I believe that God can do anything, that he has, you know, absolute uh, power, that he could cause somebody to come in and, and bring me what I need. But sometimes it's not so easy to believe that he will do that for me, right, on a particular thing. Like if somebody uh, is, is sick and they need healing, we can believe that God heals. We re- we've read about it in the scripture. You hear other people's testimonies that he can believe that he can heal. But when you're sick, sometimes it's not as easy to believe that he's going to do that for you. So it's a two-part thing. We have to believe that he can, and then we have to believe uh, that he will. Uh, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, it's another vocabulary word for her, a sin uh, for us, a sin offering uh, for us through faith in his blood, uh, an atonement. And we read about atonement in the book of Leviticus. Um, and the way of looking at atonement, we can break that word down uh, in syllables. The word meant is a suffix, a little English for you, a little grammar. It's a suffix that means um, the state of being, okay? So atonement is a state of being at one. So the state of being at one with who? The state of being at one with God. And there was a sacrifice that was necessary, the sin offering, the atonement, blood had to be shed so that we could be at one with God, so that we could be atoned. And in Leviticus, there was the blood of bulls you know, and goats. But again, it was, had to be done every year. There was the Day of Atonement. There were two goats that were brought uh, before the priest. One uh, that, was, that was killed and the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat, on the Ark of the Covenant. Y'all can uh, read that in Leviticus, I believe it's 16. Leviticus 16, about the Day of Atonement. Blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat, which was considered where the presence of God was. So that blood was sprinkled to cover their sins. Uh, And then the other goat, the priest will lay his hands on it. That was called the scapegoat. And the sins of the people were pronounced on that. And then it was taken outside the camp and released. Had to be done every year. That day of atonement, that day of bringing the people back into being a state of at one with God. The sacrifice of Jesus as the perfect lamb to provide that atonement for us was a once and for all thing. So we don't have to go out and don't go bring in Pastor Stroud some goats up here asking him to, you know, help you to atone for your sins. Doesn't work like that anymore. Right. The blood of Christ was shed for that. For that. So now all we have to do is believe that it was done, right, and accept, and, and we are justified by that faith in believing. So he was sent as a sin offering, as that atonement uh, for us. Okay, so he paid the price um, for the remission uh, of our sins, a pardon, uh, the uh, a release from the penalty of an offense. It's more than just a forgiveness. You're released uh, from that. Like if somebody uh, has been convicted of something and the governor, you know, can pardon them, they can be released uh, from the penalty of that offense. We've been pardoned. It's not that we didn't do it. We've been pardoned. There's been someone else step in our place to take the penalty. You know, we've got our Jesus coupon. Okay. All right. So we're going to stop. We're about at the 
we're a little bit over on our time. So we're going to stop there today. Did anybody have any questions? No? Okay, chapter 4, which I'm going to leave you to on your own. We may pick up a little bit over it. But chapter 4 gives us an example of what it means to be justified by faith. And it talks about Abraham. And it just briefly talks about Abraham. So if you're not familiar with Abraham, you can look up his story in Genesis, beginning at chapter 11, verse 26, goes all the way through chapter 25 um, in Genesis. He's 75 years old when God speaks to him a promise. And um, he's 175 when he dies. So we get to see 100 years of what goes on in his life and how he is justified uh, by faith even before uh, the law is given so that we see it's not law-based, it's grace-based, it's believing-based. He's justified because he had faith, uh, because he believed who God was and he believed what God said. And that's where we have to be. We have to believe that God is who he says he is and we have to believe that he will do what he says he will do and we are justified by that belief, by that faith in him. So that's very good reading, if you would, uh, in chapter 4, uh, read about Abraham and him being justified, not by works so that he could boast, but by his faith, by his believing. So it's not our doing, it's our believing. Okay, anybody have any questions? No? Thank you all so much again for being part of our Sunday School program. We will pick up next week. We may do a little bit of talk in Chapter 4, so if you want to read Chapter 4, uh, if you haven't already, please do that. And definitely Chapter 5, uh, we will go into um, that, and as we're still talking about salvation, righteousness declared. All right. Thank you so much. Consider yourselves dismissed. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.